0: His arrest is the latest chapter in the extraordinary saga of Gerry Hutch, regarded as one of Ireland's most wily criminals. In prison in Madrid in record Spanish temperatures following his dramatic arrest on the Costa del Sol, the Dubliner appears to be finally losing his battle for freedom. But after six years in hiding and four months as a fugitive, what will the monk do next? Today, I'm talking with Sunday World Deputy Editor Niall Donald about the details of his dramatic capture, his plans to fight back, and the rise and fall of one of the most infamous gangsters of our time. This is Crime World Extra, a podcast from sundayworld.com. There's very few stories that would drag me back off my holidays, uh, which I was attempting to take when... um, (laughs) On Thursday, my phone nearly rang off the hook with um, messages, etc., that Jerry Hutch had been arrested in Spain. So everything about Jerry Hutch in recent years seems to be almost movie-like. It's 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 very dramatic how his life has um, has gone really since twenty sixteen, and this is yet another scene from that Nile, isn't it? I mean, the arrest.
1: Yeah, I mean it's still. Although there's obviously a European arrest warrant and all of that, it still comes as a moment of shock when you get that text that Jerry Hutch has been arrested and and maybe the fact he was arrested in 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 Malaga where, you know, it's not the uh, if you're going to hide out, it doesn't seem straight off like the place to be, you know, um, but yeah, it's, it's 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 big news, you know, and there's there's obviously two key figures at the top of the. The, the, the stories of gangland over the last almost decade now at this stage. And that's Jerry Hutch and Daniel Keenan. Mm. So Hutch
0: was, it, there, there's mixed views on whether he was OK about being arrested or not. But from what our information is, it looks as if he was simply swooped upon and, you know, wasn't expecting it. He's not handing himself up odd place to be hiding out perhaps, but maybe not because, um, you know, there is a lot of different cultures down along that south coast of Spain. There's a huge amount of cover and it is still the European heartland of of criminality. So what actually happened on the Thursday afternoon?
1: Yeah. Well, um, so what, what, what seems to have happened is that the Spanish police obviously had information um, it's, it's and they had, uh, by all accounts, they had received information previously that he had moved in and out of that general area and by the time he was arrested on Thursday, they had been staking out uh, an address in, in Fungarola um, for a number of days, uh, over 24-hour shifts, um, officers sitting and looking at it. Um, they had the information that he was in this address but they hadn't seen sign of him. Um, They obviously didn't have a warrant to kick in the door or anything like that. They obviously weren't 100% sure, but it was an intelligence-led operation. So they seemed to have sat in it for up to a week, Um, and Jerry Hutch didn't emerge. Um, But on Thursday, um, he did. He walked out his front door for the first time in days. They had uh, obviously had a description, and it's not clear if they send a picture and all that, but there does seem to have been uh, electronic surveillance as part of it. Um, They followed them up the road, undercover officers, waiting for the okay. It had been radioed in, and they got the okay, uh, approached them. It doesn't seem to have been uh, one of these situations where it's, you know, machine guns out and all of that. They approached him, told him he was being arrested as part of a European arrest warrant and put him in what's described through Google Translate, I suppose, as shackles, uh, but probably, and helped him, I think it I mean ankle, handcuffs uh, and so, something on the ankles and helped him into the van and it's uh, peacefully went. And that was the, the moment Jerry Hutch, probably his first arrest since the
0: early 1980s. The 1980s
1: mm. Which is incredible, really, if you think about it. It's a 40 year gap. Absolutely. Um,
0: And I mean, he's been held in Madrid, in a prison in Madrid. And uh, I have spoken to people on numerous occasions over the years who have some have been in that prison. um, And conditions are not good there. I mean, really not anything like the Irish prison system. And we're talking 42 degree heat out in Spain at the moment. So, I mean, they are conditions that... Jerry the Monk Hutch thought he was never going to face again. And it'll be interesting to see does he fight this extradition? Does he want back to Ireland? He or does, you know, does he does he string this along for six months out in Spain? So, you know, the jury's out with me on that, whether he will or not. I think he has a belief that he has a robust defence and he's going to try and play his cards back here. I think he knows ultimately. People just don't beat those warrants, do they?
1: No, they don't. In the modern in the modern world, I mean, this isn't you know. The European arrest warrants are absolutely iron cast, designed so that it doesn't go on for years. That between countries in the EU, that effectively there's there, it's treated as if there is no border. And although you have seen rare occasions, and um, uh, like obviously in Bailey was was an example of somebody whose arrest. European arrest warrant was not succeeded. But, you know, the the, the idea that Jerry Hutch won't be uh, extradited, I think, is in fantasy land. I think he's charged with murder. It's, it's you know, it's a crime, obviously, in both jurisdictions. And he'll, he will be back and he'll be brought before the, the special criminal court, I'd say.
0: Now, that arrest warrant was issued four months ago and he got wind of it and went to ground. And I know that they had him under surveillance in, in the run up to it. But the details of that warrant and and the fact that it was coming were leaked out on social media, which is something that has always been hanging around this story since the Regency Hotel. There has been, you know, a lot of information been put out and there seems to be some very organised PR activity by both sides of the the feud, the Hutch organisation and the Kinahan organisation to get their own say out and there has been We know there's been quite a lot of these anonymous style Twitter sites in particular but it was quite extraordinary and very embarrassing for the Irish Gardaí that that information was leaked on social
1: media. Yeah, I mean, it's incredible, uh, really, you know, um, because there really wasn't much of a sniff of it going around in, in, in you know, in, as, as you know yourself, journalists sometimes hear things, they can't nail it down, they can't verify it. But it was, there was a genuinely quite tight ship um, around the the developments in the Regency investigation, mm. or so you thought, and then all of a sudden you're opening up Twitter and seeing, you know, very specific details that have, have proved to be accurate. So it's quite, it's quite incredible. I mean, it, there, there has been a propaganda war being fought on, on, on Twitter. And um, it's, it's funny, like the the two styles, the, the Keenan propaganda is involved, you know, uh, Video documentaries that cost tens of thousands and books, but the the hutch one has been more earthy and it tends to be uh, anonymous uh, Twitter accounts
0: and a strange uh, forum as well. <clears throat> you know, Twitter is pretty much the, I suppose maybe it's the only forum for it, but we haven't seen quite as much activity on Facebook or other mediums like that.
1: No, no, twi- and Twitter is generally for the uh, the the cap- cappuccino drinking uh, yeah. classes, but. Um, um, I suppose Twitter allows, uh, you know, it, 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 it's, it's an easy way to search and all that. So, yeah, it's been fought there, but um, and and it continues to be fought in the last couple of days. We, you see, um, you know, putsch supporters for one of a better term, um, giving advance notice of how, what his defense is going to be. They're putting it out there. Um, whether, whether they succeed or not is a, of course another matter. So
0: Hutch was <laughs> last seen in this country in February of 2016 at the funeral of his brother Eddie and he was accompanied that day by his friend Noel Duck Egg Kerwin who would later be murdered as part of that feud. Um, he disappeared went to ground completely but funnily we had always a bit of information that he was largely in Spain which seemed incredible. You know you'd hear oh he was you know he'd gone to the far side of the world he was supposed to be in the states at one stage but I had very good information that he was actually down around that south coast of Spain and he was making contacts making alliances um in whatever business he is now in. But he was also uh had a kind of a home base nearly in Lanzarote and we had a lot of um tip offs that he had been in and out of that island. Um, And again, while it would be hard to believe that he'd go somewhere as obvious as that, he was almost hiding in plain sight, the monk, wasn't he? And that probably is part of his very uh, wily personality. Um, Staying within the places he knows, he has his networks and he has his safety and his security nets and the likes of these safe houses where he's obviously been able to lie low for the last four months.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, to be on the run uh, in the in the in the way that he has had to be, where there's people looking for you and, you know, you need access to money. And obviously, I suppose there is a base there in Spain where he knows people. He has a network. He spent a lot, of, even before the Regency, he spent, you know, up to half his year in the Lanzarote area. Um, and he obviously knows that way. But yeah, there was always uh, rumours he was, you know bought a bar in Thailand and was living on an island in Malaysia. But, you know, the truth, I think, is more that he, he spent most of his time in Spain, some of his time possibly in Turkey, where he's also had uh, property interests and possibly, you know, some time in, in, in Holland or Eastern Europe. But, yeah, the, like like a lot of uh, criminals, Jerry Hutch, no doubt, is more wily, as you say, but... They do they can be like homing birds really, that they they you know, that they have to be around the people that that, that, that can help them on.
0: I suppose to recap very quickly, um, so we don't go over old ground, but Hutch was essentially gone into a bit of retirement until his nephew, Gary Hutch, um started to fall out with Daniel Kinnehan on the Costa del Sol. Gary Hutch was very much part of the Kinnehan organization, very high up, a senior lieutenant, just underneath from the structure point of view of Daniel Kinnahan, And they fell out and Gary Hutch ended up dead in an apartment complex in, in September of 2015. And that really pitched the two sides against one another. There was an attempt to attempt to attack Daniel Kinnahan at the Regency in February of, of 2016, which became a very uh, notable um, part really of, of gangland Irish criminal history. Uh, that that incident in the Regency. And Jerry Hutch was very quickly identified as the suspected mastermind behind that. Um, and obviously we know what's happened since. There's been a feud, it has been largely one-sided from the murder point of view. But the Hutch organization has tried to regain some strength over the years, and and, and they're out there in the ether has been has been Jerry Hutch. Um, now Another nephew of Hutch, Patrick Hutch, was initially charged with the murder of David Byrne at that regency. And that trial fell apart, basically, because of a tragic death of a senior um, police officer called Colin Fox, who was investigating it. And the trial, there was a a, a null prosequi entered in that after an investigation was done into um, Superintendent Fox's death Um, And Patrick Hutch walked free. And with that situation, I personally believe Hutch felt empowered and untouchable again. Because while his nephew could very easily have, you know, we could have had a very long trial with that, that would have had an outcome one way or the other, decided by a three judge court, he would have been either found guilty or not guilty when he walked free that time. I think the Hutch organization saw that as their ticket to freedom for the rest of their days, and we're seeing that. What what bits of information we can we can put together? It looks as if Hutch will rely on that if he's brought back in place before the special criminal court himself.
1: Yes. So I mean, the, the when the trial collapsed, um, that that the, mur- the murder trial. Um, it, I think I think I remember the guards coming out and saying we'll continue to investigate and you know we're not going to give up bringing the people to before the courts and I think nobody uh, really believed that was the case. I mean it really looked like that was done and dusted and there was obviously a very human tragedy at the centre of it. And. Um, uh, you Know a very respected officer who, who, who died, but I think that what people really believe that was it was done and dusted that 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 part of the that operation by the Hutch organized crime group was never going to see the inside of a court again. And um, obviously, the, the the circumstances of the collapse of the trial, uh, I would imagine that 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 um, Jerry Hutch. Believes that those circumstances are going to be his ultimate ticket to freedom, or hopes that at the very least. Mm. But the courts, the courts, uh, as you know yourself, when you sit in them, uh, these legal strategies can sound good in theory, but in practice, um, what's going to see Jerry Hutch uh, either, either. Convicted or not, it, it, a lot of it is going to be, I think, uh, to do with electronic surveillance, to do with movements on CCTV, to do with mobile phones, um, and what has gone on in the past may or may not uh, may or may not be as relevant as he thinks.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it will be an interesting few months ahead to see. First of all, if he's going to fight this extradition and try and lengthen his time. In Spain where he will have to remain in custody or whether he will come back and start that process. There's others before the courts already in relation to um, the the Regency Hotel and those trials will probably take a few years before they get on. Um, The Special Criminal Court seems to be busier than ever. There's two of them on the go sometime. But at the heart of it is the fact that this is a three judge court. There's no jury there. And I have to say from covering that court for quite a few years, I have rarely seen um, the people in the dock walk free because, you know, there isn't a, a lot of sort of gangland criminals would have relied in the past on being able to intimidate jury members or sometimes, you know, they're very clever and they're they can be good liars by their very nature. They're criminals. But um, you just all of that is stripped back in the special criminal court. And it is interesting to watch because it is literally the rule of law and the evidence that's placed before it. As you say, a lot of it will be modern technical evidence. And, um, you know, I think that, you know, there's been trials in the past that you have to it's a bit of a bun fight to get a seat in the courtroom and I can certainly see that this is going to be one of them and um, this Regency story seems to go on and on and you know as I said at the beginning it is almost like the plot of a movie and um, but I think that there is going to be a lot of people up early the morning that Jerry Hutch is, is brought before the court.
1: Absolutely and you know the other reality with Jerry Hutch is his unique sort of uh, not everybody, of course, and not every but you know, Jerry Hutch there's um like he is a an iconic figure sometimes in the, the in parts of the North Inner City, you know. Jerry Hutch obviously cultivated a kind of a Robin Hood uh persona and um you know, so those he he's an enduring character. But uh yeah, so I think the you talk about movie scripts, but in the reality, you know, what has gone on in the last few years if you if you wrote that as a movie script ten years ago, people would have said that's a too outlandish.
0: Troners it in the bin. Um the the, the one thing that I, I find kind of intriguing and curious about Jerry Hutch, and you know, his arch enemy is Daniel Kinnehan, and that you know has just developed to such it's like they're they're two different, you know, warriors fighting one another. But actually Hutch kind of achieved what Kinnahan has been desperate to achieve over his lifetime. You know, he, we said he hadn't been in jail since the 1983, I think is actually the last time he walked free from a jail and he swore he'd never go back in again. He was suspected of being behind some very, very well-organised robberies and uh, he never got caught with anything again in Ireland. He did pay a, a, a bill to the Criminal Assets Bureau And after that, he became a bit of a Dublin personality. He was driving limousines around the city. He was often seen with the likes of Mike Tyson or famous boxers that came in. He set up his own boxing club before Daniel Kinahan ever had that thought in his head. And he sort of became legitimate nearly, didn't he? Before he was dragged back.
1: Yeah, I mean... I think he was, um, in one magazine, voted him seven, 70th sexiest man in Ireland at one stage. Uh, oh. You know, so that's that's the kind of, and, you know, and I mean, some of that was unjustified because although Jerry Hutch was a, a bank robber and people automatically don't feel sorry for the banks, he was also involved in, uh, you know... Violent crime through his his criminal career as well, but he had managed to wash his reputation to a degree, and his his ambitions in certainly regarding boxing were a lot more modest, obviously, than Daniel Keenan's. But he he became a a part of uh, box local community boxing clubs, and you know he was probably if you think about all of the major gangland figures in 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 Irish history since the nineteen seventies, he was the only one. To, to To manage to sort of get away with it and to become not a reviled figure, certainly some people would have reviled him, but he he became a he 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 really got out on top mm. or seemed to
0: but behind that was a very very cultivated image, and he was a great man to uh you know have stories about himself slightly controlled. He was able to control the narrative a bit. I mean, the the big thing was always that he had, you know, no time for drugs and he wouldn't have anything to do with it. Um, That he was just abhorred by that and he was an ordinary decent criminal. But the fact of the matter was that Gary Hutch, his nephew, uh, was right involved in that Kinnaghan Mafia. And, you know, we've seen, um, you know, how a number of members and associates uh, of them would have been very heavily involved in that in that Kinnahan organization. So do you know that's really when the gloves came off as such when it came to the the his image that you realised? Okay, well hang on a second. This is this is not quite true. That you and your organization have nothing to do with drugs at all. In actual fact, you know a lot of them were were as as involved in in the drug game as the Kinahans. So, but look, it will be. Um, it'll be certainly uh, one to watch and we'll follow this developments in this case as we go along and for the moment I'm going back on my holiday okay <laughs> well enjoy it Nicola thanks Niall you've been listening to Crime World a podcast from Sundayworld.com produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me Nicola Talent. if you like the podcast and love true crime why not download the free Sundayworld.com app For lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe.